you have your Bibles with you tonight, would you open them please to the very first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. And tonight we're continuing in our sermon series entitled, The Patriarchs. Say, Pastor, how long will this sermon series go through the entire year? We're looking at Abraham, we're looking at Isaac, we're looking at Jacob, we're looking at Joseph. The, the four pillars of the patriarchs. And we're learning about their life and we're learning about our life. If you think the Bible's just about the past, you're really wrong. It's about the present. It's not just about people that lived thousands of years ago. It's about people that are living right now. And from Abraham's life, we can learn so much. It was such a rich life. Genesis chapter 14. When things are bad is the title of our message. When things are bad. Now I'm going to be very honest with you. Genesis 14 is a very tedious chapter to read. It's filled with names you can't pronounce and places you've never heard of and never will hear of again. So I'm going to kind of capsulize it for you by beginning our reading in verse 10. And we'll go through verse 16. That'll kind of give you the gist of what we're going to talk about tonight. And it says in verse 11, Genesis 14, They took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now the they is King Chedorlamar. King Chedorlamar took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all of their provisions and went his way. They also took with them Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and they took not only Lot but all of his goods, and they departed as well. And there came one that escaped, verse 13, and told Abraham the Hebrew, told him of the story, what had happened. For he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eshkel, and brother of Aner, and these were part of the confederacy that was with Abraham. When Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, or his nep nephew, a better translation, he armed his trained servants that were born in his own house, 318 of them, and pursued King Chedorlaomer unto Dan. He divided himself against him. He and his servants by night attacked them, pursued them into Hobah, which is on the left-hand side of Damascus. Abraham and his servants brought back all the goods also his nephew Lot and his goods and the women and the people after the battle. Abraham is living in God's will. That's important for us to understand. Many times Abraham was out of the will of God. He acted in the flesh. But in Genesis 14, Abraham is in the will of God. He's obedient to the Word of God. He's following the way of God. He's trying to rebuild his faith. He's trying to rebuild his family. And all of a sudden, in that process of doing all of that, he receives some troubling news. Lot, his nephew, has been taken prisoner by King Chedorlaomer. 
Now, King Chetelamar is no petty ruler. He's no tin-horn dictator. He is a world conqueror in that day. And he is feared for his cruelty and his carnage wherever he goes. Unless Abraham acts and acts quickly, his nephew Lot most probably will be tortured and murdered. Now, what will be Abraham's response to the trouble? What will be Abraham's response to this crisis that has just came out of nowhere? That's a good question to ask you and I sometimes. Suppose tomorrow morning you got some troubling news. Suppose tomorrow morning you had a crisis dropped off at your front door. And they come in many different names, don't they? And many different sizes and shapes and slants. What would you do? What would I do? Well, we're tonight going to see what Abraham did. Because what Abraham did, I believe, is what we should do if we find ourselves one day in that position. You might even be there tonight. Some things I want to lay on your heart as we look at our story. First of all, I want us to see that Abraham analyzed his problem spiritually. He analyzed a physical problem spiritually. He analyzed a worldly problem eternally. He looked at things through the glasses of God himself. Now, why do I say that? Because oftentimes when trouble and crisis comes and we are looking at it through our glasses, through earthly glasses, through human glasses, through the glasses of this world, we ask the question, why? Whenever you ask the why question, and you're going through a crisis or trouble, usually that's not the right question to ask. I'm sure Abraham was tempted to say, why did I leave Haran? I was getting ready to retire. And all of a sudden, I'm asked to leave by God, to go to a place he doesn't tell me, to do something he doesn't tell me, to be with people he doesn't tell me. Why did I ever leave, Heron? Why did I just say no to God? Why did I get involved with Lot? <laughs> I know he's family, but why did I fool with him? Why did I trust God? Why has God led me into all of these problems that I'm facing? I never had none before. Why does God allow evil to reign? Why does God allow suffering? Where's God when you need him? Why, why, why? But you know something? Abraham never asked none of those why questions. Remember, the why questions come when we look out of our own glasses. Abraham looked at what was going on through the glasses of God himself. 
And that's the way we should always look at things. What is God doing in this crisis that he has allowed into our life? What is God doing in this trouble that he's allowed into our life? What is God doing in in this turmoil that he has allowed into our life? Because God is sovereign. And in a child of God's life, nothing just happens. God either ordains it to happen, he causes it to happen, or he allows it to happen. But he always does it ultimately that he will be glorified. Others will be done good, earthly and eternally, and we will grow in our faith. Do you understand that? So Abraham doesn't ask why. He doesn't try to think through it or reason through it. He wants to know what God's up to. Somebody wrote this, and I like it. Life is so riddled with twists and turns that no man can guess the future. Would you agree with that? Nor, in looking back, can any man make any sense of the past. So it's better not to dwell in either of them. Life is too crazy to predict the future. The past is too mysterious to worry about it. So don't worry about the future. Don't worry about the past. Don't ask the whys of yesterday. Don't ask the whys of tomorrow. Just live in the present. Instead of trying to figure it out, walk by faith. That's what Abraham does. He lives in the what now Trusting God, though he doesn't understand the trouble or the crisis that has been brought to him. John Claypool was a pastor, a pastor in Texas. His daughter had been having some health problems, but nobody realized how serious those problems were until the doctors ran some tests and they determined that she had a cancer that was untreatable. Imagine that being dropped on your mom and dad and grandparents. That your son or your daughter or your grandchildren have a terminal cancer and their life is going to end sooner than later. Pastor John was stunned at the news. He fell into his own man-made hole and started asking God, why, 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 why? God, in his grace and mercy, listen to me, stepped into John's hole. He stepped into that hole. And you know what he told Pastor John? According to Pastor John, he heard these words from God. Shut up, get up, and take charge. Get out of the hole. Quit asking why questions. Quit being paralyzed by the situation. Shut up asking me why. Get out of that hole and take charge of this situation for my glory. And when Pastor John heard those words, 
It startled him, but it motivated him. He started to sing songs to his daughter. Instead of crying profusely every time he saw her, he began to open up the hymn book and sings the great songs of faith. He prayed for her. He quit his whining and started his praying. He read the scriptures to her, the promises of God that are given in the Word of God. And not only did he do that when he visited his daughter who was in the hospital most of the time, he went around to the rooms of other cancer patients and he did the same thing for them. This pastor who never had a cancer ministry or a hospital ministry to speak of now had one with an audience that was open-eyed and opened ears. He would later, after the death of his daughter, write a book about all of the experiences that he went through in ministering to her and ministering to others on her cancer ward. And in the book that he wrote, listen to what he said. By God's grace, I will hang in there. I will endure with patience what I cannot figure out or change. But God has called me to bear. Wow, that is profound. By God's grace, not in my own strength, I can't do this. In God, by God's grace, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to endure with patience what I cannot understand, what I cannot change, but God has called me to bear. That's looking at things through God's glasses. Not trying to figure it out, not trying to change it, just carrying it. And trusting God to take what you carry, that He's asked you to carry, He will strengthen you to carry and that he'll work it out for his glory. Second thing I want you to understand, crisis comes, trouble comes, turmoil comes. What do we do? First of all, we analyze what's happening. What's God doing in all of this? Then, I want you to secondly see that Abraham accepted the fact of the crisis. He analyzed the problem. He got off his glasses, put on God's glasses. Took it out of the worldly, took it to the heavenlies. But then he began to accept the fact that this was happening. Why do I say accept the fact? Because some of us have a theology that bad things can't happen to good people. <laughs> I don't know where we got that from, because it's certainly not biblical. In fact, some of God's choicest servants have a lot of bad things happen to them. Abraham accepted the fact, though he be a child of God, he wasn't exempt, he wasn't excluded. He was not given a pass. 
on the problems of life, the crisis of life. You see, Abraham learned something. We need to learn it. Sometimes bad things happen to us not because we did anything, but because of somebody else's sin. Sometimes we get find ourselves in trouble and in crisis and turmoil, not because we did anything per se wrong, but somebody else did. And we somehow get involved and pulled into their situation. Now in this case, it's Lot. Lot is Abraham's nephew. He moved to Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember last week we talked about that? Abraham gave Lot the choice of where to go, that they could be divided with their livestock and their servants. There wouldn't be no more fussing and fighting with one another. Abraham, who should have had the choice, deferred it to Lot. And Lot said, I will take that area over there. The grass is greener over there. It's higher over there. There's more water over there. And even though all that land is next to Sodom and Gomorrah, two of the most wicked cities ever known to man... I'll take my chances. And he moved at lock, stock, and barrel, so to speak, to Sodom and Gomorrah's area. Lot's choice creates a lot of headache and heartache for Abraham, as we're going to see now and we're going to see later. You see, the more we love people, the more we tend to get dragged into their situations and circumstances. The more we hurt when they hurt. So how did Abraham get in this mess? Well, it wasn't because he did anything wrong. It's because a family member did. And out of love, he gets involved too. He also understood something else. Bad comes to people sometimes because of what somebody else does, and we get involved in it. But we also sometimes face bad because we live in a sin-cursed world. Albert Schweitzer said, we all must expect to suffer in this world of suffering. We all must expect to suffer. Why? Because we live in a world of suffering. We need to be prepared for sickness because we live in a world of sickness. We need to be prepared for death because we live in a world of death. We need to be prepared for persecution because we live in a world of persecution. We need to be prepared for trouble because we live in a world of trouble. I'm not saying that we ask for it. I'm certainly not saying we should be fatalistic. But ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand the fact of the matter. Sometimes we're going to have bad things happen to us because we live in a bad world. And there's no vaccination we can receive that's going to keep us from having the bad of this world affect us sometimes. And Abraham understood that. So, crisis comes to Abraham. Abraham analyzes the crisis from God's perspective. What's God doing here? And how is God wanting to use me? Abraham accepts the fact that he's done no wrong. 
He's actually done right. But nevertheless, he's been dragged into the crisis because of a family member that he loves and cares about. And because he lives in a world where bad things happen to good people sometimes. Thirdly, Abraham now seeks from God a plan. Abraham is not a general. He does not have an army. Abraham is a shepherd, a rancher. He knows nothing about fighting. All he knows about is raising family and raising livestock. He doesn't know about fighting. He doesn't know about war. And and Abraham's nephew Lot and his family have been carried off by one of the greatest kings of that day who's also a warrior to go with it. And he has thousands of trained soldiers with him. And Abraham's going to have to go after him and free Lot and his family and his livestock? Let me ask you a question. What do you know about fighting and war? Probably as much as I do. And I know some of you served in the military and you're pretty smart. But it's hard to win a battle when you don't have soldiers but you have farmers and sheep herders, and cattle raisers. And so Abraham, the Bible says, goes to God for a plan. That's a good place to go, isn't it? When you have a crisis, instead of trying to figure it out, and run to your banker, and run to your lawyer, run to the police, run to your pastor, Run to your doctor. Those are all fine and dandy at some point, perhaps. But the first place you ought to run to is God. You have not because you ask not. If any of you will ask for wisdom, I will give you that wisdom. And that wisdom comes from God above. And that wisdom will often give us a plan of how we need to proceed through the crisis if we'll just ask and listen and do. And it was from Abraham's prayers in Genesis 14 that God gives him the direction how to have victory. You say, Pastor, sometimes the problems of life are enough to make a man lose his Christianity. (laughs) No, I, I beg to differ with you. The problems of life sometimes are great enough to make a man have a greater Christianity. I really believe God brings crisis into our life to shake our tree of faith a little bit. Shake us out of contentment and get us back into a growth mode. You see, we get satisfied. God's never satisfied. We want to stay as things are. We love the status quo. God loves growth. And Sometimes God will allow things to come into our life because he wants to shake us a little bit. And remind us that we need to put a faith in Him, a greater trust in Him. We need to be more about His business than ours. Do you think Moses grew up at the Red Sea? 
You think Moses was the same Moses when after those waters rolled back than he was before? I submit to you, Moses grew up at the Red Sea. I submit to you that Joshua grew up at Jericho. Do you think he was the same man after those walls came tumbling down? Absolutely not. You think David was the same man after he slew Goliath? You think Elijah was the same man after he confronted the prophets of Baal and took them out? And every one of those situations, God showed himself faithful. And God grew the faith of his servants in preparation for something greater down the road. Whenever crisis comes into our lives, ladies and gentlemen, don't miss the fact that God is trying to do something with us. God is trying to grow us up. He wants us to have a greater faith, a greater trust, because God is not only going to do something now, but He's preparing us for something greater later. And as we respond, as we respond, God will respond. Now lastly, Say, this is a wonderful story about Abraham, Pastor. It's not about Abraham. It's about you. Yeah, you. Don't duck your head. I'm still get you. Crisis has come to your house. Maybe tomorrow. And in that crisis, God wants you to start thinking about it spiritually. What is God doing? He wants you to accept the fact that you might do everything right and it's still happening. So don't beat yourself up if tomorrow you have a crisis because it may not be your fault at all. But you got it. And you need to accept it. You need to deal with it. And God wants you to go to your knees and invite him into it. That's what Abraham does. Now, in closing, what is God's plan? What is God's plan here? Well, God's plan to Abraham was really quite simple. If you read Genesis 14 and it's entirely, God says to Abraham, I want you to follow the king's army. I want you to follow them from a distance. I want you to move ahead of them, and I want you to ambush them at night. I want you to surprise attack them with an ambush at night. And when you do so, you're going to free Lot, you're going to free his family, you're going to get back all of the livestock and all the possessions that he has, and you're going to free a lot more people too. I'm going to give you the victory. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? Or does it? King Chetelamar has thousands of soldiers. Soldiers. He's a world conqueror. 
And Abraham has 318 servants that he's able to give a weapon to. The weapon might be a knife, it might be a sword, it might be a spear, it might be a piece of paper he can throw at him. I don't know. But he has 318 sheep herders, cattle raisers, and servants of whatever type to do the fighting for him. Now I'm going to ask you folks a question, and I know you'll be honest with me. If you had $100 and there was a bet on this one, where would you put your $100? I thought so. We would have put our money on Pharaoh at Red Sea, wouldn't we? Sure we would have. We'd have put our money on Goliath against David. We'd have put our money on the prophets of Baal versus Elijah. We'd have put our money on Jericho versus Joshua. Don't you look at me like you wouldn't have. You would have. And you would have lost everything you got. That's why you don't gamble. And if I was a betting man, I would say Abraham is going to go out and get slaughtered in this one. God doesn't know what he's doing. God might be the king of the gods, but God doesn't know nothing about fighting. Or does he? Or does he? 318 sheep herders against thousands of soldiers. Night combat at that. Many of you who have served in the military know it's hard enough to fight in the daytime when you got well-trained soldiers. How in the world are you going to fight at night when you can't see nothing? And yet that's what God says. Take your servants, go ahead of him, ambush him at night, and you'll win. And lo and behold, Abraham did exactly what he was told. Won a smashing victory. A smashing victory. Crisis over, God wins. Many of you know Pat Boone in closing, great rock and roll singer from the 50s. In his time, he was as good as any of them. Ricky Nelson, Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, he was right up there with all of them. The only problem was Pat Boone was married. His wife was Shirley. And they had one child, two children, three children, four children. So this budding rock and roll star has a wife and four kids at home. Isn't that exciting? Well, he was out enjoying himself and his rock and roll career. He didn't show his wife any love. Didn't show his children any interest. And Pat, his wife, became extremely angry. I guess anybody would. And she was bound and determined to bleed him dry financially, to wreck his career, and then divorce him. That was her plan. But God stepped into her plan. God spoke to her. You know, God doesn't speak in an audible voice, but sometimes you think it's audible as he's speaking into your mind or heart. And you know what God said to Shirley Boone? You're not going to have revenge on him. 
You're not going to retaliate to him. You're going to love him. You're going to put a smile on your face. And you're going to be the best wife that man could ever have. Doesn't matter what he does. This is what you're going to do. There's not going to be any divorce. There's not going to be any payback. There's not going to be any retaliation. You're not going to do anything. But get closer to me is what God said to him. And as you get closer to me, I will bring him closer to you. And what Shirley Boone learned that day, she said, changed her life. That many times in a crisis, we think it's about somebody else, and really it's about us. And God's doing something in our lives that he can do something in somebody else's life. Yes, Lot was delivered that day. But may I submit to you, it was never about Lot to start with. It was about Abraham. And God wanted to see how he was doing in the renewal and the revival of his faith by bringing him that crisis. So if you're in a crisis tonight, I know you want to look at the crisis. I know you want to look at other people. But maybe the best place to begin is just look at yourself. And say, God, what are you trying to do in me? God, what are you trying to teach me in all of this? Because God is teaching us something. And may we accept the fact that maybe we did nothing wrong. There's no need to beat ourselves up. We didn't do anything wrong, perhaps. Maybe we did, but maybe we didn't. And God has allowed this to come, that he can do something in us. And maybe we ought to spend time in prayer, not trying to figure it out. Just go to God and say, listen, I don't know what you're doing, Lord. Show me what to do. And then when God tells us, let's do it. Let's act on his plan and then stand back and prepare to be wowed. Because our God is a wow God. And he does amazing things when he gets us where we need to be with the things that are going on in our life. You want to know why Abraham's in God's Hall of Fame? You just saw it. Genesis 14 is a capsulization of why he's there. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor, I'm, I'm in a crisis right now. I've got some troubles and turmoils in my life right now. And Pastor, as you're talking about Abraham, you were looking at me. Because you know all about him, don't you, Pastor? No, I don't. God does. And as you're going through the crisis, the trouble, the turmoil, the problems that you never brought on yourself, you really didn't do anything wrong, you just kind of got sucked into it because of others. Or because we live in a world where things like this happen. But there you are. 
And maybe you are been in the hole, so to speak. You dug a hole and you're just there having a pity party. Crying your eyes out. Asking God why, why, why. And getting angry and flustered because He doesn't answer you. Maybe you're in that hole blaming other people. Bitter. And maybe in that hole God's speaking to you right now and saying, Listen, shut up, get up. And let's move on. Maybe that's what God's saying to you tonight. And maybe God's saying to you, it's, it's about you. I allowed this to come into your life. No, you don't deserve it, but I want to do something with you. I want to do something new. I want to do something fresh. I want to grow you. And this is the way I'm going to do it. Would you go to the Lord and ask Him to forgive you? Would you go to the Lord and ask Him to help you? Would you go to the Lord and ask Him to give you wisdom, what to say and what to do? What not to say and what not to do? Would you do what God tells you to do? Would you surrender your pride and in humility, do what God says to do, even though it may not make a bit of sense to you. Would you do that? And then would you be prepared to watch what God is going to do? Not just in you, but in the whole situation. Would you be willing to be like Abraham tonight? And for those of you who right now are high, wide, and handsome in life, I hope that you've taken some notes because I promise you one day you are going to get a letter in the mail, a knock at the door, a call on the phone, and your world is going to be in a crisis too. And you better know how to handle it. Father in heaven, I've tried to articulate to the best of my ability the story of Abraham. I pray, Lord, that that story that's also in the lives of many people here tonight might have a same outcome. Lord, I don't know how people need to respond tonight, but I will give the invitation. I pray they would respond as you would have them respond. In Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet, please? soul by I'm in the crisis, Pastor. There's mercy with the Lord. And he Tonight, would you put on the glasses of God? You rest by trusting would you accept what's happening and quit fighting it? Only trust Would you go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to do something in you and do something in what's taking place? And when He directs you what to do, would you do it even if it makes no sense to you? Jesus is the truth, the way that leads you into rest. Believe.
this with Keith. Only trust Him. Only trust Him. Only trust Him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you. Let's repeat that chorus as our benediction. Only trust Him. Only trust Him. Only trust Him now.